Good evening, everybody. Uh, due to some scheduling conflicts and things like that with where we have our church services, the first message in in our Pursue series uh, is going to be recorded online. So here, here we are. Um, but in Pursue, we're going to be talking about full circle faith, meaning not just having a faith that, that stops at yourself. Uh, the pursuit of God ultimately ends up with making discipleship or, ma or making disciples. So in this first message, pursue God, we're going to look at what that means and how we actually get in that pursuit of God to where we actually start to begin to grow in our faith. So Father, we thank you for this time. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I pray that whoever's listening is is edified by this, they're challenged by this, that they take the necessary steps needed to, to grow in their walk with you, to grow in their biblical knowledge of you. Father, I pray that you would just open up the ears and the hearts of those listening. It is in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. All right, so pursue God. One thing that we can really count on is that God promises that those who make a genuine commitment to him will find him. And you have to ask yourself, like, do I really believe that? If I make a commitment to it, if, I, if, if it's a genuine commitment and I, I set my sights on the pursuit of God, I will find him. While he does draw you, while he does bring you to himself, the deeper things of him, you have to pursue those. Do you believe that? Do, do you think it can actually be true for you? So you have to take a, a, a kind of a quick personal survey as we kind of get started in the series. Do you feel close to God or do you feel far away from him? And where would you put yourself on that journey? Like if it was a scale from one to 10, where, where are you? If I'm honest, if, if I'm open, I'm about a seven. Not where I need to be, not where I should be, but definitely not as bad as I could be. But here's the great news. Wherever you are, God is not far away. And, and this series has, has something for you. I really do believe that. You know, whether you've gone to church your whole life or, or whether you're brand new to the Bible. So we have to kind of start with a bird's eye view of what God is like. You know, a lot of people think that he's just harsh and judgmental and and all these negative attributes of God. But the Bible paints a, a very broad picture of God. Like, yes, he is judgmental because he is a just God. Yes, he is angry because sin makes him angry. He hates it. He's also gracious. He's also loving. He's also kind. He's also forgiving. So in doing this, I, I kind of want to, take a look at three things that we need to know about the heart of God when it comes to the believer and the good news that it reveals about pursuing him. So if you take notes, you can go ahead and open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter eight. And, and the first point is this, God is for you. Okay, as believers, God is for you. He's not against you. He's not working against you. Everyone knows what rejection feels like and it's horrible. 
No one likes to be rejected. Maybe you've been rejected by a friend, you know, a spouse, or, or even a parent, you know, and, and you've tried to win their approval or ask for forgiveness, but nothing seemed to work. And so the sense of, reje of, of rejection grows even more depressing and hopeless. And a lot of people are there when it comes to their relationship with God. They perceive their relationship with God in this way. For whatever reason, they feel unworthy, they feel unlovable, or, or, or they just feel plain unreligious. So for them, God is completely and totally out of reach. Okay, but, but Jesus shows us this truth, okay? He may seem out of reach, but he's not. Jesus shows this, that God is for us, not against us. And through this life, through, through his life and, and through his teachings, Jesus shocked, shocked, offended. <laughs> it, it was pretty blunt when it came to the religious world, when it came to his attitude towards the lost and, and to those who, who seem far off. So he invited these these lowly fishermen, the, these despised tax collectors, these not so religious experts to be in his inner circle. I mean, you got to really think about it. The disciples, you know, they weren't 50, 60 year old men with white beards. I mean, they were pretty young. They were like in their early 20s. So he got all of these people and he formed a, a, an inner circle with them and he called them his disciples. They went around walking and talking with with drunkards, with, with healing de demon-possessed people, with, with touching the untouchable. Jesus didn't avoid the broken and the lost. He sought them out. And the perfect example of this is in Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 through 3, where he says, Suddenly a man with leprosy approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out. And touched him, I am willing. He said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. A couple of things jump out of this passage. First, the leper. The leper who was supposed to be exiled from the camp, exiled from the city, who couldn't have contact with anybody, who was shunned, who, who was condemned. The leper knew that Jesus had the ability to heal, though. He didn't just know if he had a willingness to do it. He knew that he could do it. But for most people, it's easier to believe that God is powerful than actually to believe that he is good. But here's the truth. He's both. God is good. God is powerful. God is good enough to care about our everyday life, and he's powerful enough to actually do something about it. Okay, so he's not just able to help us. He's willing to help us. And we have to consider how Jesus healed this leper. He touched him. When he is the outcast, the, 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 the literal definition of the outcast, like if you had leprosy, it was so contagious back then that they just said, you know what? We're going to have to put you outside of the city. We're going to have to basically make you live as a nomad outside the city walls. So there is no risk of, of you contaminating anybody else. That there's no risk of, of infection, you know, starting to spread out. So certainly he could have just spoken the word of healing as he had done so many times before. But Jesus wanted to prove a point about God. He wanted to prove this point that he cares personally about people. 
that he's not afraid of their condition. So he cares about people. He cares about their condition, or their, their, their condition. And the healing power of Jesus was more contagious than the disease. So the leper was healed. But it's not just the broken and the desperate who can benefit from a pursuit of God. See, Jesus wants this, this relationship with anyone who is, who is willing to, to recognize their need for him. When do we realize that need for him? When the Holy Spirit draws us with conviction, right? Like we, we know, if we've, if we've grown up in church, we know that there is a God, that there is a Savior, that we have a need of Him, but everything in our flesh wants nothing to do with that. Nothing in you is, is pursuing God. Okay, that's why God said, those that I have chosen, those that I have predestined, those that I have elected, you know, all of these things, God is the one who initiates the relationship. God is the one who gives you regeneration. God is the one who gives you the saving faith that you need. God is the one who initiates all of it. God initiates the relationship. Mark 2, 17 says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. We know we are sinners. Now, there's a difference in knowing that you're a sinner and knowing that you're a quote-unquote bad person. Because if we're just judging it based on that, like, oh, yeah, I'm not a, a bad person. Bodie Balkum said it this way, and, and I like it. He said, people don't know they're bad because they compare themselves to people who are on, on the news. Right? They compare their, their, their self to the murderer. They compare their self to the rapist. They compare their self to all these other people. Like, well, no, I'm, I'm not a bad person because I'm not doing that. But Jesus said that there's no one good except for God. Our sin will find us out eventually. Here's the great irony of, of religion. The one who looks the most religious are usually the ones who are the furthest from God. This is something that we have to reconcile, that, that Jesus has nothing to offer a self-righteous person because from their perspective, they don't need a Savior. If you were self-righteous, you, you don't see your need of a Savior. So you have to ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself this question right now. What about you? Are you so self-righteous that you don't you think you don't need a savior? Or do you need God's help? Cuz I don't know about you, but I need <laughs> I desperately need God's help in living this Christian life. I can't produce fruit by myself. I need some help with that. You know, I I can't pray like I need to. I need some help with that. I can't get in a word like I need to. I need help with that. So do you need God's help? Because he's willing to give it. You have not because you ask not. Your prayer life is suffering because you're not asking for a prayerful heart. Your study life is suffering because you're not digging into God's word prayerfully. God is for you. He's not against you. This brings us to the second point, that, that, that life is meant to be lived to the fullest. I'm not meaning in the secular sense. 
A pursuit of God changes everything from your eternity to your everyday life. So God's heart for you puts a whole new kind of life on you. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus called this uh, life to the fullest, or, or most translations say the abundant life. Now, we're not talking about the prosperity gospel here. Okay? We're not talking about that he wants to make you rich and he wants to make you, make you healthy and wealthy. Like, that's not what we're talking about. The secret to this abundant life is actually having deep relationships with people. Deep relationships, deep, deep bonds with other believers who are going to spur you on to good works. We're, we're talking about healthy emotions that, that you're not so wrapped up in anger and bitterness and jealousy and, and, and wrath that, that you can't walk out the joy of the Lord. We're talking about meaningful work. You know, we're, we're talking about a joyful connection with God to where, you're, where your relationship with God isn't a burden where it's not a, I have to do this, but you actually take joy in your connection with God. And, and, and it's an offer that promises to both impact your everyday life as well as your eternal destiny. Because whether you believe it or not, everything we do here on earth echoes our eternity. The decisions we make here echo eternity. Do you reject him or do you accept him? Because if you, if you, if you reject him, hell is your destination. If you accept him, if you heed the call, heaven is your destination. Jesus is working while the enemy also, while the, the devil is working against it. So God is working for it. God is working for you. The devil is working against you. And here's how Jesus said it in John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly of this full life. Okay. Okay. Full circle faith. So in this full circle, it provides the framework, uh, the, the framework for life. So the, there's a full circle pursuit of God. There's trust Jesus, honor God, make disciples. The first one, trust Jesus. It, it represents how we start that relationship with God. And it's, it's as simple as trusting in Jesus, trusting that he is the Savior come to die and pay the, the penalty of, of, the, of sin. That's the trust. That's the belief aspect of it. Romans 3.22 puts it this way, the righteousness of God is through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe since there is no distinction. Faith changes our standings with God in an instant. Again, it's that drawing of the Holy Spirit to regeneration through faith that, that gives us that, that offering uh, of the promise of eternal life. We're, we're going to cover that later on in this series. So we have trust Jesus. Then we have honor God. This, this second one is what happens after we come to faith in Christ. So after we come to faith in Christ, we have this new desire to honor God and, and it, it, it becomes awakened in us. If we want to put it this way, but because what happens is 
upon the regeneration, upon the salvation, we have this. New, we are a new creation. We have this new heart, this new mind, this attitude. Now we have died to sin, and now the Spirit in us is is spurring us on to do everything that we do in honor to God. Whether that be going to work, whether it be going to school, whether it be going to church, whether it be what you do in your private life, in your private time, everything honors God. Eventually, that eternal, that, that internal thing will become an external reality over, over time as we're transformed from the inside out. That's how the transformation happens. Like You don't wash the outside of the cup and expect the inside to still be clean. Like you still have, there's the process that happens. And as believers, we got to get in this, in this mindset of, of reality that this change doesn't happen overnight. That this is a process. Sanctification is a process. Sometimes it's a long process. Like when I first got saved, it, it took me a minute to stop cussing. Okay, it took me a minute to stop drinking. It, it took me a minute to, to relearn new habits and behaviors because I was so used to relying on what the flesh wanted and what the old self wanted. Now I have this newness within me. Now I've got to learn how to live with it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. We're going to cover... The, the aspect of being new later on in the series as well. But this is where the honoring God part happens. And then we go to the last one, make disciples. Now making disciples is probably the, the one thing that most Christians neglect to do. Now I said at the end of, of 2022 that 2023, our, our focus, like we're going to have a laser focus on discipleship and evangelism. And this is where it starts. Making disciples is not optional. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the great commission. It is a command. It's not optional. It's not a suggestion. We have to get to this point to where we go and make disciples. If we go on to verse 20 in Matthew 28, it says, Teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a promise. In making disciples, it's not an easy process, and it's not something that can be done in a six weeks, a six a six week long small group. Like I'm sorry, that's just not how discipleship works because discipleship is a is a lifelong process ultimately, and ultimately, the discipleship takes time. It takes relationship building. It takes discipline. It takes accountability. It takes time in order to get this to where we need it to be. And then ultimately, it's it's all about hide and seek. That's the third point, hide and seek. God wants, God wants you. He, if he has drawn you, he wants you, but he wants you, he wants to be found by you. Meaning he, he wants you to discover 
his character. He wants you to discover his word and, and discover your love for him and, and your love for his word. So a pursuit of God can change everything for you. It can change everything from relationship. It can change everything from, from your attitude. It, like A pursuit of God will change everything because Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It will change everything. But it turns out the pursuit isn't just up to you. So there's a power at work behind the scenes that is far stronger than your best effort or your noblest intentions. Because here's the reality of it. Before you even thought about pursuing God, He was pursuing you. Before you even gave God a thought, He was already thinking about you. From the foundations of the world, you were on his mind. That's what David kind of learned in the Old Testament. He wrote this in one of the Psalms. In, in Psalms 139, 16, it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. Here's the thing. David, like most of us, had, had, had a very complicated story. He was almost... He was... He was the almost forgotten about shepherd. Like his dad almost forgot he had another son who, who grew up to be a king. And along the way, along that journey, he fought battles. He, he gained fame. He experienced tragedy. Psalms 139 was probably penned by David as he was older. Someone who had, who had seen it all and, and was just now starting to make sense of life. So, so David was learning that God had been there all along through the ups, through the downs. God was fully invested in David even before his story really even started. At the same time, this is true to your story. Even though you can't see it yet, even though that it's hard to see it, God saw you before you were born. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. He, he knew the plans for you. I know that verse gets taken out of context so bad and so many times, but, it, but it's the truth. He knew you. He formed you. He knew what, what, what would happen. And the reality of it is your existence was his idea. So next time you get down on yourself and you're like, oh, I, I, don't, I feel worthless. I, I'm here for no reason. The creator of the universe was like, you know what? Let's make him. Let's make her. And every moment of your life has been laid out for you before a single day even passed. Even this moment right here. This moment that you're listening to. Some people imagine that God is playing some kind of cruel game of hide and seek with them. That, he, that he's playing this cruel game of hide and seek with, with humanity. You know, we, we look at the Bible. It's a pretty big book. It's one book composed of 66 books. There's a lot of stories in there. There's, there's a lot of information within the pages of the Word of God. Church can be intimidating. God seems so complicated, but in the midst of the confusion, God makes this simple promise. In Jeremiah 29, 13, again, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God seems so complicated. 
But that is where the study of theology comes in. If you don't think theology is important, then you don't think your relationship with God is important because theology is the, <laughs> theology is the study of God, who He is, His attributes, His laws, His requirements. That is what theology is. God is not some far away, uninterested deity that, that doesn't care what happens about us. He wants to have you. He wants to be found by you. And he has been working since the beginning of time to make that happen. God made the first move. He called you. He predestined you. He made you. He, he elected you. The next move is up to you. Here's the thing. You can stay in the state that you're in, let's say you got saved a month ago, you can stay there and never really have a good understanding of God. That would like, that, that would kind of be like getting married, going on the honeymoon, and then going back and living in with your parents and never seeing your wife or your husband again. It makes no sense. Right? The next move is up to you. What moves do we make to, to understand God, we, we pray for Him. We pray to Him. We, we, we seek after Him. We study His Word. We get involved in the church with a local body of, of believers. That's how we get to know who God is. We study Him. We seek after Him. So what is your role in all of this? What's God's requirement of you? Honestly, he just wants you to be in genuine. He wants you to be genuine in your pursuit. You have to put aside your preconceived notions. Sometimes you have to unlearn years of bad theology and bad doctrine. Sometimes you have to leave behind churches. Sometimes you have to leave behind people who, who try to influence you and your relationship with God. Sometimes you are going to have to put aside all of these things and come to God with an open mind and a willingness to learn. And once you do that, you start to actually sit down, carve out time every day, sit down, open the Bible, because that's the place where we learn about him. That's where we learn about God. That's where we learn about his son. That's where we learn about the Holy Spirit. That is where we're going to learn about him. So I need you to ask yourself, is there a step you need to take in order to go deeper with God? Now, I know that usually I like to do series, but the first one is always, it always feels kind of rushed to me because you're trying to like unpack the whole thing and, and give a, a broad overview of a, of a series that's going to be six, seven, eight weeks long. But what step do you need to take? If the first step you need to take is, is salvation, then repent and believe. Repent of your sins. Turn away from the life of sin. Acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner because of the fall that happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. Sin has been imputed to you, so now you and now have the sin nature that there's a price to pay because the wages of sin is death, Paul tells us in Romans. That because we have sinned, that, that we ultimately face death. But God, who is rich in mercy and, and rich in His love, sent His Son to die for you in your place 
and to pay the, 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 the sin debt that you were both unwilling and unable to pay for yourself so that you may have abundant life, not but for eternity. Repent of your sins. Believe the gospel. And then start living a, a, a holy life with it for him. Peter put it this way. If, if you repent of your sin and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. What's that you need? Do you need to be more self-disciplined and actually t- carve out time to where you have Bible study? Maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe you need a Bible reading plan. If you need a Bible plan, and website. We have one posted. Your life needs to go a little bit better. What steps do you need to take and what steps are you willing to take so that your faith comes full circle? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace and your salvation, Lord. Father, I thank you for your drawing. I thank you for your willingness to want relationship with your creation. Father, I pray as we continue in this series that that we are challenged to know you more, that there grows a desire and a hunger within us that that we want more of you and less of ourselves, that we become less dependent on ourselves and more dependent on you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.